Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called A Prickly Problem. It's by Sunday Star Times Chief News Director Craig Hoyle, and it's about hedgehogs. To some, they're seen as pests, even worse than rats to our native species, but to others, they're much loved, protected, and a cute surprise in the garden. So here is Craig Hoyle reading his story, A Prickly Problem. Monique Jones never planned to have 16 hedgehogs living in her home in Auckland's Royal Oak. It started off about seven or eight years ago, she says, maybe more, when I found a hedgehog in my garden sick. I rang the National Hedgehog Coordinator in Petone and she couldn't find anyone to help look after it in my area. She helped me and guided me through looking after the very first one and then, once I knew what to do, I decided I would take any others that came in. Monique is part of a small but ardent community of Kiwis who will do anything they can to support hedgehogs, including nursing them back to health and releasing them back into the wild. They've all got their own little personalities and their own little traits, she says. They're just so cute. At the other end of the country, Kaikolda local Ailsa Howard has a very different perspective. Howard runs a dotteral support program and has seen firsthand the devastation that hedgehogs can wreak on nesting birds. They roar up and down the beach, says Howard, who goes on to describe how a hedgehog wiped out a recent nest. After the three chicks hatched, I came in the morning and I see that a hedgehog has been in the area and there are three little wet puddles in the nest, she says. That would be a great meal for a hedgehog. Howard believes in eliminating hedgehogs just as strongly as Monique Jones does in saving them. Together, they represent opposite ends of a battle over whether there is any place for the mammals in Aotearoa. The first pair of hedgehogs to arrive in New Zealand in 1869 met with a dubious reception from the Canterbury Acclimatisation Society, which was presented with the animals by Mr D. Robb. The society, tasked with bringing in familiar British species, touted them as being of invaluable service in keeping down the grub, reported the press at the time, but queried whether the amount of good done by hedgehogs is counterbalanced by their partiality for eggs and young birds. Those early reservations went unheeded, and over the following decades, dozens of hedgehogs were imported and quickly established themselves in the wild. Early settlers enthusiastically helped their spread, with railway guards dropping them off at stations across the South Island. The prevalent belief among colonists was that hedgehogs would eat slugs and snails in domestic gardens, much as they did back home in Britain, explains wildlife biologist Chris Jones from Manaki Whenua Landcare Research, the Crown Research Institute for Land, Environment and Biodiversity. 
It was like a smorgasbord, says Chris Jones, no connection to Auckland hedgehog rescuer Monique Jones, describing how early hedgehogs spread like wildfire without the cold winters and predators they contended with in the UK and Europe. They've got plentiful food here because most things live on the ground. Not only do they have invertebrates, which are their primary food, but they've also got ground-nesting birds, small lizards and other amphibians. It was paradise for them, and the controls on their numbers that are apparent in their native range were not here, so they just spread. By 1939, there were so many hedgehogs that they were gazetted as vermin, and a bounty of sixpence per snout was imposed. Over the following nine years, bounties were paid on 53,600 snouts, and New Zealand Geographic reported it was common to see a length of fence wire in the corner of a farmer's shed, threaded with salted hedgehog snouts awaiting a trip to town to cash them in. I'd like to make it clear, says Amelia Geary, that this is not cute Mrs Tiggywinkle we're dealing with, referring to the popular Beatrix Potter children's book character. Geary's a forest and bird regional conservation manager covering the Wellington and Horizons regions and is well familiar with efforts to tackle hedgehogs. This is an abundant introduced pest with an appetite that can best be described as voracious, she says. They're found from the mountains to the sea and have virtually no predators. As a result of their Mrs Tiggywinkle perception, they're overlooked and underestimated as a pest, but the research speaks for itself in terms of the damage they can do. The numbers are bleak. Hedgehogs can eat 160 grams of invertebrates per day, and one study in the Waitaki River Basin found a single hedgehog with 283 native wetar legs in its stomach. It's a figure often quoted by ecologists like Nick Foster from the Timanahuna Aoraki Project, or TMAP, which was launched in 2018 to protect the unique species and ecosystems of the Upper Mackenzie Basin. If you divide that by six, says Foster, that was 47 wetar in just a single 24-hour period, referring to the standard feeding cycle for an adult hedgehog. If there's 30 to 40 hedgehogs in every square kilometre, it's a wonder that there are any bugs left at all. They're putting tremendous pressure on invertebrate fauna. Foster has seen the damage firsthand through his doctoral research tracking hedgehogs across the Mackenzie Basin. His findings show hedgehogs go much higher and further than previously thought and will quite happily hibernate at very high alpine altitudes. And, no surprise, they are voracious eaters. If you take a look at a hedgehog poo, says Foster, it just sparkles with iridescent beetle shells. Just before Christmas, every year in the basin, we get this flush of bright green shiny beetles, and so you'll be walking around and you'll see this hedgehog scat, and it will be almost like a Christmas ornament, full of these little beetle casings. Foster's also particularly concerned about the impact on ground-nesting birds. The kaki, he says, the black stilt, one of the rarest birds in New Zealand, has really poor nest success, and that's because hedgehogs are running around in these riverbeds just munching up eggs. Hedgehog rescuer Peg Logue acknowledges her much-loved four-legged friends aren't good for ground-nesting birds, but is adamant they shouldn't be made to be the universal baddie. Logue, who founded Topol's Hedgehog Haven Rescue Centre, thinks they're given a bad rep, more than it needs to be. A lot of people do actually love hedgehogs in spite of what dock and pest control may feel, says Logue, who spent 17 years as the national president of SPCA New Zealand. My feeling is that in the urban garden they do more good than harm. 
There are also places out in the country where there aren't any skinks or ground-nesting birds or anything like that where they're not doing any harm either. That, says Forest and Birds Gary, is a circular argument, and wildlife will thrive where there are no pests. The irony is because there are hedgehogs, people say, oh, there isn't anything here to protect. But actually, if we took the hedgehogs out, the birds and lizards would perhaps bounce back. Even in a highly urban environment like Tāmaki Makoto, hedgehogs can still do a lot of damage, says Auckland's university's Margaret Stanley. Stanley, an associate professor of biological sciences, oversaw a research project in 2017 to 2018 that tracked the diets of 51 hedgehogs across 10 urban parks such as Auckland Domain and Dingledale Reserve. We were really interested in what hedgehogs are up to in urban areas because most of the research has been done in braided riverbeds and forest ecosystems, says Stanley. But urban areas and cities still have quite a bit of biodiversity as well and we know that there's a lot of food out there for hedgehogs so we were really interested in what was going on. As in the other ecosystems, the hedgehogs were certainly really getting stuck into invertebrates, insects and soft-bodied things like slugs as well. But we even found that they had lizard remains and bird remains in their stomachs. Stanley says it's particularly concerning to observe the rate at which hedgehogs are consuming native insects. Invertebrates are so important for the ecosystem, she says. We call them the little things that run the world. They do all the processes like decomposition, breaking down dead material and letting the plants grow through those nutrients. I think insects are a little bit of a forgotten fauna, so we're really worried about how much the hedgehogs are hoovering them up. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Aotearoa has no national strategy for eliminating hedgehogs. The government's much-vaunted predator-free 2050 programme aims to wipe out mustelids, rats and possums, but hedgehogs are conspicuously absent from that list. Rats have a diet that overlaps quite a lot with hedgehogs, says Stanley, so we're really worried that as we take away the rats, no one's worrying about the hedgehogs, and hedgehog numbers will increase. We're not really doing the invertebrates much good if we just take away the rats to be replaced by hedgehogs. Chris Jones, the landcare biologist, says eradicating hedgehogs here is complicated by their national treasure status in Britain. There are conflicting values because a lot of our attitudes to species have been imported from Europe, he says, and the perception of hedgehogs is generally Eurocentric. I read my kids Bob the Builder, Bob Saves the Hedgehogs 20 years ago and grew up reading Enid Blyton and Mrs Tiggywinkle, says Chris. I still see fluffy toy hedgehogs in shops and my wife tells me off because I mutter at them. 
but it's human values and human values affect what we have social licence to do. Hedgehog messaging still seeps through from the UK where they're protected under the Wildlife and Countryside Act. There they've suffered devastating losses in recent decades and the British Hedgehog Preservation Society was launched in 1982 to try and arrest their decline. It's a difficult split screen with Aotearoa where conservationists are trying to eliminate hedgehogs. Here, in the absence of a national strategy, hedgehog eradication falls to regional authorities such as Auckland Council, which has been working to educate locals about the damage caused by hedgehogs. It's something we're quite conscious of actually, says the council's principal biosecurity advisor Imogen Bassett, describing the uphill battle against people who feed and rescue pests like hedgehogs. At the moment we've got a bit of an outreach program starting. We just want to be getting the message out there about the issues that they pose and making sure people are doing the right thing and not releasing hedgehogs into the natural environment. If you release a pest into the environment, that is a breach of the Regional Pest Management Plan. Bassett's colleague Ben Paris, the Council's Senior Conservation Advisor, says the predator-free movement has just exploded in Tamaki Makoto over the last five or so years. We're able to give out traps via the targeted rate, says Paris, and it's been really interesting to see so many people engage with trapping and sharing their trapping results and sharing the bird life that they're getting back in their urban backyards as well. Live hedgehogs should be euthanised quickly, although Paris cautions that it must be a humane kill. For urbanites, sometimes it's better to just take it down to a local vet, and the vets can do it. The numbers, while encouraging, are also concerning. For instance, in Franklin alone, Paris says, community volunteers are trapping around 120 hedgehogs during February to April, which is when the young hedgehogs are wandering about. Hedgehog numbers are massive across New Zealand, explains Landcare's Chris Jones. In one study over a 10-year period in the Tasman Valley, 50 Norway rats were caught, 139 weasels, 481 possums, 652 ferrets, 2,500 stoats, 1,500 cats, and 5,813 hedgehogs. In another tally, around 400 hedgehogs were trapped over two years within a kilometre and a half of a dotteral nesting colony in Northland. While trapping and killing remains the most effective method of controlling hedgehogs, there are few approaches that target them specifically. In urban environments, they usually bycatch and rat programs. The standard DOC 200 trap will work on most hedgehogs, although some mature male hogs are too large to fit through the trap's entrance. The larger DOC 250 trap is avoided in urban areas as it runs the unpalatable risk of killing neighbourhood pets. Away from cities, conservationists have more options for hedgehog control. TMAP now uses the country's only certified hedgehog detector dog, Zach, a mixed-breed three-year-old dubbed Professor Zachariah Q. Wigglebottom for his habit of going into an exuberant body wiggle when he finds his prey, and early results from the Mackenzie Basin are promising, says ecologist Nick Foster. The team has run trials comparing dogs with thermal imaging and standard box traps to work out which method got us the most hedgehogs and dogs just blew us out of the water. It's quite funny actually, recounts Foster. I was with the guy doing the thermal imaging and he'd only just got his first one and in the distance you could hear all this barking and barking. Every time the dog found one he would bark and bark and he, the thermal imager, was saying, oh I'm being outsmarted by a dog. So Zach really is an incredible tool. 
In Kaikoura, Ayers Howard is employing more traditional methods to protect the dotteral colony. We don't use cameras as a rule because it's not practical in an urban environment, she says, just because of theft. But when we're really interested, when we can see that we've got specific pressure, we'll put a camera out. The rest of the time we use footprints. If you rake around the circumference of a nest nice and smoothly, you can actually see where the predator's entered, where it's exited, how it was drawn to the nest, and you can get something about the size of the animal by the depth of the footprints and the size of the footprints. Howard herself grew up feeding hedgehogs with milk and knows how cute they can be, but says as an animal lover she can't stand by and watch them contribute to the extinction of native species. These are hard choices, she says. TMAP's Nick Foster says in the long term, eradication will be far more effective than control. If you're suppressing a population of hedgehogs, it's just constant killing. You're constantly trapping, constantly poisoning, in perpetuity. Cost aside, it's just killing, killing, killing. With eradication projects that aim to completely remove hedgehogs, if you do it once and do it right, once they're gone, the killing stops. For now, the killing continues, but conservationists such as Auckland Council's Imogen Bassett are keen to emphasise that the hedgehogs themselves, like other pests such as possums and wallabies, have done nothing wrong. All of these things are important, treasured animals in the place that they come from, says Bassett. It's not that they're inherently bad, they're just in the wrong place. That was A Prickly Problem on the long read from Stuff. Written and read by Craig Hoyle and produced by Jen Black. This episode was edited by John Ropiha. If you listen to via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you follow the podcast, you'll get the latest episode automatically. This story was made possible by subscribers to The Post. If you want to support more beautifully told New Zealand stories, go to thepost.co.nz. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.